Good morning. Will you stand and join us for our call to worship from Psalm 111? Praise the Lord. I will give thanks to the Lord with my whole heart in the company of the upright and the congregation. Great are the works of the Lord, studied by all who delight in them. Full of splendor and majesty is his work, and his righteousness endures forever. He has caused his wondrous works to be remembered. The Lord is gracious and merciful. He provides food for those who fear him. He remembers his covenant forever. shown his people the power of his works and giving them the inheritance of the nations. The works of his hands are faithful and just. All his precepts are trustworthy. They are established forever and ever to be performed with faithfulness and uprightness. He sent redemption to his people. He has commanded his covenant forever. Holy and awesome is his name. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. All those who practice it have a good understanding. His praise endures forever. Oh, God. 
be seated. Let's pray together. Almighty God, Prince of Peace, faithful and true. Father, you delivered us from sin and death to be your people and to worship you. And we come and worship this morning, uh, as we often do, through the, the self-giving, the, the gracious invitation of your Son. So make us aware, Father, of your abiding presence with us. And God, we pray uh, that you would meet us wherever you find us. Meet those of us who feel tired, feel worn down by our work. Would you be our, our strength, be our refuge. Give us faith to, to enter your sustaining rest. Perhaps despite the, the noise and the volume of our to-do list, despite the, the pressures of performance at work or at home. Father, we hear and we sing and know your gracious and faithful love. But may this perfect love, your love that is lavish and relentless, may it meet us as we come this morning. May it saturate our stress, our anxiety, our, our fear. May it meet us in all of the ways that we seize control and seek only our own interest. May it find us when we feel alone or checked out. Lord, meet us with your radiant, your revealing words of life. Father, grant us strength and courage to move towards your light, to travel the difficult paths of repentance, and to love our neighbors as you have loved us. Father, lead us by your word and your sacrament to the word who bears our flesh, and change us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, children are now dismissed for children's worship. Well, we turn now, we shift now to our time of confession, where we acknowledge with God our sin and our need of him. We do this together as a church and then have a time of quiet, personal confession. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? Heavenly Father, you have promised to be for us a refuge yet we are quick to forget your promise. In the face of uncertainties, we often seek to build our own strongholds or look for other shelters. May we hear your reassuring voice and remember your steadfast love. Amen.
please take a quiet moment of personal confession. Father, we confess our sin, and we are grateful that you have brought us from death into life. You've traveled through the valley of the shadow of death to raise us up and to make us whole. And we give thanks in Jesus' name. Amen. We'll stand together to hear the words of assurance that come to us from Psalm 27. Let's join together. Though an army encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. Though war arise against me, yet will I be confident. For the Lord will hide me in his shelter in the day of trouble. He will conceal me under the cover of his tent. He will lift me high upon a rock. Well, as we've been welcomed into God's family, let's take a moment to welcome one another in the name of Christ.
please be seated. This morning's New Testament lesson is from 1 Corinthians 8, 1 through 13. Now concerning food offered to idols, we know that all of us possess knowledge. This knowledge puffs up, but love builds up. If anyone imagines that he knows something, he does not yet know as he ought to know. But if anyone loves God, he is known by God. Therefore, as to the eating of food offered to idols, we know that an idol has no real existence and that there is no God but one. For although there may be so-called gods in heaven or on earth, as indeed there are many gods and many lords, yet for us there is one God, the Father, from whom, all are, from whom are all things and for whom we exist, and one Lord Jesus Christ, through whom are all things and through whom we exist. However, not all possess this knowledge, but some through former association with idols, eat food as really offered to an idol, and their conscious being weak is defiled. Food will not commend us to God. We are no worse off if we do not eat it, and no better off if we do. But take care that this right of yours does not somehow become a stumbling block to the weak. For if anyone sees you who have knowledge eating in an idol's temple... Will he not be encouraged, if his conscience is weak, to eat foods offered to idols? As so by your knowledge, this weak person is destroyed, the brother for whom Christ died, thus sinning against your brothers and wounding their conscience when it is weak. You sin against Christ. Therefore, if food makes my brother stumble, I will never eat meat, lest I make my brother stumble. The gospel lesson is Mark 1. 14 through 20. <clears throat> now, after Jesus was arrested, Jesus came into Galilee, proclaiming the gospel of God and saying, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. Passing alongside the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and Andrew, the brother of Simon, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And Jesus said to them, follow me, and I will make you become fishers of men. And immediately they left their nets and followed him. And going, to, going on a little farther, he saw James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, who were in the boat mending the nets. And immediately he called them, and they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired servants and followed him. This is the word of the Lord. morning. It's good to be here worshiping with you this morning, and you'll see uh, in your order um, that we're going to continue our uh, sermon series during the season of Epiphany. Epiphany is the church season that comes right after Christmas, and it focuses on the idea that God has revealed himself or made himself known in the person of Jesus. And so Epiphany is all about uh, seeing or learning to recognize, to see what has been revealed to us. 
Um, and as I thought about that, as we're thinking about seeing, uh, we're going to look at a passage from Luke 4. But before I read that, uh, I saw a quote recently in a story, and the quote goes like this. Tell me what you think is the perfect pizza, and I'll tell you who you are. <laughs> tell me what you think is a perfect pizza, and I'll tell you who you are. This was a journalist named Helen Rosner. She writes that every conversation about pizza is a trap. Is thin crust better than tossed crust? Is pineapple an acceptable topping? Should tomato sauce be applied cooked or raw? Is it okay to eat or pass on the crusts? Should the crust be thin or deep dish? Many people claim to have answers because everyone believes that they're a pizza expert. The infinite variety of pizza, she says, is so universal that it becomes a window into ourselves. And what she means by this is the, the pizza of your childhood, or the pizza of the place that you consider home, or the pizza that awakened you to the fact that pizza could be amazing. Each of these pizzas are the best in the history of the world because it's your history. Tell me what you think is the perfect pizza and I'll tell you who you are. So maybe you can talk about that today at Jimmy's, if you go to Jimmy's. <laughs> what is the perfect pizza? Well, I mentioned that because this idea of who you are, right? We, sometimes we don't even know that ourselves, but is there windows into knowing who we are? Can we see or can other people see? And that, in many ways, is the theme of Epiphany, but the focus here is on seeing or recognizing Jesus, the one who has revealed God. In this case, it's not the pizza that Jesus enjoys. But today, when we look at our passage, rather, we hear him speaking about his purpose, why he came, his ministry. And in this case, when we hear him describe why he came, we have a window into seeing who he is. And if we can see who he is, then it means we can see the God that is revealed in him. So let's look at Luke chapter 4, verses 14 to 22. And here, as Jesus describes his work or his purpose for being here. You can follow in your order or follow in your Bible. And Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit to Galilee. And a report about him went out through all the surrounding country. And he taught in the synagogues, being glorified by all. And he came to Nazareth, where he had been brought up. And as was his custom, he went to the synagogue on the Sabbath day, and he stood up to read. And the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was given to him. He unrolled the scroll and found the place where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And he rolled up the scroll and gave it back to the attendant and sat down, and the eyes of all in the synagogue were fixed on him. And he began to say to them, Today, this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. And all spoke well of him and marveled at the gracious words that were coming from his mouth. And they said, Is not this Joseph's son? This is God's word given for our good. Lord, we ask that by your spirit, you'd help us to receive your word, that it would be illuminated, that we can understand it and, and see you and know you better. I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. 
Well, as we look at this passage and think about this theme of, of seeing, of, of recognizing what's been revealed, I want us to ask two questions to, to move through the passage. One is, how does Jesus summarize, how does he describe his ministry? How does he describe his ministry? And then the second is, why is this good news for us? Why is his description good news for us? So let's start by asking, what does, what does Jesus say? about why he's here. How did he describe his ministry? This is Luke's first account of Jesus' public ministry. We, in the Gospel of Luke, he tells us that Jesus has been baptized, that Jesus went out into the wilderness to face the temptations of the evil one. But now he has returned in the power of the Spirit. He's been teaching and news has spread about him and that people are responding with praise and with wonder. And now in our passage, Jesus returns to his hometown where he has been raised, where he was brought up. And as was his custom, what he did each Sabbath day, he went to the synagogue. And Jesus uses this public, this very public moment to speak of his identity and his mission in a special way. Can we picture, maybe you can try to picture there's a gathering that begins and that there are others present, there's many present, the attendant and the congregation, but the attention is on one person, and he stands to read. Jesus stands before his hometown. He knows everyone there, and they know him. And there is a sense of drama, right, of slowing down. Jesus stands. He's handed the scroll. He enrolls the scroll to find a specific place and he reads, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor, sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Jesus carefully rolls up the scroll and gives it back to the intendant, and he sits down. And Luke tells us that all the eyes were fixed on him. As he says then, today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. And in wonder, the whole place asks, is not this Joseph's son? Right? You get the sense, you know, we know who this is, Right? What has Jesus come to do? Well, Jesus chooses to read from Isaiah 61, but it's not just a straight reading. He opens and reads what's given to him. He focuses on a few verses and even adds a line from chapter 58. And I mention this to show that Jesus is offering an intentional, a crafted message about himself and in, in his ministry. And for us to consider it, to kind of grasp what he's saying, I want us to focus on two repeated words in the passage, in the quote, the word me and the word liberty. Do you notice how the pronoun me is repeated throughout the reading? The spirit of the Lord is upon me because the Lord has anointed me. The Lord has sent me to proclaim good news, liberty, sight, and release. Isaiah 61 was a message of hope in the midst of 
suffering and of exile, of people being forced out of their homes. And throughout Isaiah, leading up to this passage, there are these promises of what we could even describe as a strange, anointed figure who will rescue God's people in their suffering. And this one is called the servant of the Lord. And this servant of the Lord, the one who's anointed by God, will identify with the suffering people, identify even to the point of suffering as a substitute for their iniquity. Isaiah says, by the servant's wounds, the people will be healed. This one to come will be anointed by the Lord. This one will restore a suffering people. And Jesus is saying to the synagogue there in Nazareth, and it's saying to us today, it's me. This is who I am. This is one of the most clear statements that Jesus makes about who he is and his mission. I am the anointed one sent by God. Today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. It's me. The other repeated word is the word liberty. The passage gives a collection of actions by the anointed one. This one will speak good news, bring healing, announce pardon, set free, give release. And who receives these good actions? They are for the outcast, the one who has been crushed, broken to pieces, for the brokenhearted, the captive, the oppressed. And if we're going to summarize what Jesus is saying here in the nature of his ministry, he's, I have come to set the burdened free. I have set, come to bring liberty to those who are bruised and battered. That is what this collection of words brings together. Burdened, bound, bruised and battered. For example, there's the description of the poor that opens the quote, and it certainly it speaks of one's economic situation. Surely that's probably what comes to our mind right away, low economic standing. But this word here goes beyond money. Here, poor is a social term, and that's much the case for these descriptions, a social term that refers to one who is outside, one who has been excluded viewed or treated as less for all sorts of different social categories or social reasons. Jesus is saying, I have come to proclaim good news to all for whatever reason, for all who find themselves outside, burdened and treated as less. Others may turn away from you, may look down on you, forget you, but Jesus says, I am the anointed one to bring God's favor and love to you. Liberty brings a variety of images and captures a number of different things that Jesus' ministry does, carrying the broad ideas of release from bondage, from what holds you, offering the sure promise of forgiveness, the release of guilt and shame, giving the blessing of the Lord's favor to all who have known rejection or dismissal or isolation. Today, the scripture is fulfilled. This promise of liberty is fulfilled in me. 
Jesus says. And all marveled, all marveled at his grace-filled words. So we asked, what does Jesus say is his purpose? Why is he come? What is his ministry? And we see that he is the anointed one, come to bring liberty and set free the burdened. And so then we can ask, why is this mission or this ministry good news for us? Why is this good news for us? And there's a lot of things that we could say. Hopefully we're already even getting a sense of it just as we hear the description of what Jesus is saying. But I want us to maybe focus on the idea of, of honesty. This is good news, I suggest, because this ministry of Jesus allows us to be honest about ourselves and about our experience in this world. It's good news because this ministry allows you and me to be honest about ourselves and about our experience in this world. Christian Wyman is a poet. He is an, a professor and a Christian author. And he has a quote saying, for all my artistic and intellectual forays into faith, and this is someone who is intellectual and an artist, for all of my forays into faith, the only real progress is made when I have an honest communication with another person. The only real progress is made when I have an honest communication with a real person. I say this because it's possible, if you're like me, it's possible that our experience of religion is very different from that. Not honesty, but a way, another way maybe to even hide. It's possible for religion simply to be viewed as a list of expectations to fulfill, a new costume to try on, a new way of getting a sense of control or even lifting myself up over others. But all of these approaches require being dishonest, ultimately. Instead of being seen and known, it's about putting on an act or a performance. And what I hope we can hear today is that the Christian faith, when centered in the person and mission of Jesus, invites us to profound honesty. Why do I say that? Jesus' ministry invites us in this description here in our passage invites you and me to identify with the categories or to identify with the experiences of being powerless, to being disregarded, of being captive or held, to being blind or oppressed, being crushed or brokenhearted, being burdened. Jesus is saying something similar to what he described his ministry as here. He says something similar later on when he proclaims I came not for the righteous, but I came for sinners. I have not come from the health, for the healthy, but I came for the sick. When Jesus speaks to us, when he reveals his ministry, he directs us to honestly acknowledge our need for help, our insufficiency in ourselves. The Bible says that we live in a world that was made good by God, by a good God, but it is a world under the reign of sin and death. 
just about being honest with our experience in this world, that this world is under the reign of sin and death. And as a result of this fallen situation, all persons, even though we're made in the image of God, are experience bondage of some kind. There's a deep tension. We're made in the image of God, crowned with glory and honor, yet there's something twisted within us and twisted within the world. And we know this is true because we can think of examples or how we experience this. I, I do not do the things I say I want to do, and I find myself doing the very things I say I don't want to do. I want to be loved and love others, but I find myself isolated or ashamed, longing for connection. I hide. I'm quick to judge others, but can't seem to see myself. I chase money or titles or appearance, seeking a sense of self and control, even though these things are fleeting. I numb or distract myself to avoid the shame or guilt or fear. And we see, I know this, we see this bondage in others. It's often easier to see it or look at it in other people. But if we're honest, we can see it in ourselves as well. If we're honest, we can look within and see much that is broken, that we have lied and deceived, that we've chosen and given ourselves to what is less, that even those we loved we have neglected because of selfishness. It's important for us to know that the Bible describes our world, our experience in this way. It is honest that we and our neighbors know what it is to be burdened, to feel the weight of guilt, to be bound, to be unable to free ourselves, to be heartbroken, to live in the shadow of suffering and death. I ask, why is this mission of Jesus good news? Because he came to face this reign of sin and death. And to feel the weight of that, we have to be honest about the way it impacts us. He came to face this deep burden, this twisted nature. He came to face the powers of the world. In a world that is held captive, Jesus appears as the light that their darkness cannot overcome, the one that faced and took upon himself sin and death to overcome them. And he came to do this work for you and for me. When I was younger, I loved baseball. I still like baseball, but there was a time in the 80s especially where I loved baseball. Knew, every, knew all the stats and knew all the players, and one of the players that I, I remember because of his name probably is Mookie, Mookie Wilson, who played for the New York Mets primarily. He played in the 80s and 90s. And I mention him because one of the greatest sports quotes of all time is attributed to Mookie Wilson. I don't know if it's really a true quote, but this is what it, he supposedly said. When I'm in a slump, you know, when he's having a hard time hitting the ball, when I'm in a slump, I comfort myself by saying, if I believe in dinosaurs, then somewhere they must be believing in me. And if they believe in me, then I can believe in me as well. Then I bust out of my slump. So let me say that again. If I believe in dinosaurs, somewhere, you know, they're believing in me, and I can bust out of my slump. I like this idea. I like my favorite dinosaur is the tri triceratops, and it's nice to think of a triceratops somewhere believing in me. <laughs> I mentioned that's a silly quote, obviously, and who knows if, you know, he probably said lots of silly things. But it's, I mentioned it because there's a question 
where do we actually go for help? When we're in our slump, right, not just hitting, <laughs> not because we can't hit the ball, but because we long for things to be different, where can we go? And there's all sorts of things that are silly, some that are good, some that are benign, and we know there's some places we go that are destructive for you and for those around you. Where do we go? What do we need? What is good news? And I want to suggest to you that the good news, what we need, is that for one, someone to see us in all honesty, to know you to the very depths of who you are, and to draw near to you. For someone to see you fully, but not back away or turn their face, but to draw near with grace and love. And this is what Jesus is saying is his very ministry. He didn't come to help people in general categories, the, the poor or humanity in general. He didn't come to help the oppressed in general. Jesus came to minister to real persons and all their brokenness and all their foolishness and all their need. And that's the case for you and for me. He takes upon himself fully our brokenness with the promise that as he receives that on himself, he gives to us the full love and full acceptance and full grace of his God. That we would know that there's someone who gives us freedom of liberty, not based in our performance or our worth, but a freedom and liberty that is secured by his grace. I pray that you know, if you know that, you'd be reminded of it again today, that this is good news. If you don't know that, if you haven't heard that or don't experience it, then let this be an invitation that Christ sees you fully and draws near to you with love, that you would know who you are in him today and forever. Amen. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for who you are, and I thank you that you are a gracious God who does not stand off at the distance, but actually comes near with the mission, the mission of actually caring for the broken and the poor and the burdened. We give you thanks in Jesus' name. Amen. Will you stand with us and we'll sing together?
give you thanks, O God, for your abundant grace. Great are your works. They are full of splendor and majesty. In your faithfulness and steadfast love, you keep covenant forever. You give hope to the sick, the broken, the blind, the bound, and the hurting. Let us remember your work as we join with the people on earth and all the company of heaven in the unending hymn. heard God's word, we're now invited to the table that God sets for his people. And here we see the gift of God for us, the, the ministry that he offers to us, that his broken body and shed blood, to make those who are far off and bring them near, to let those who are covered in shame and guilt to know forgiveness, to, who are broken to know the, the hope of renewal and of life, to set the who's who are captive free. If you are a follower of Jesus, if you have put your faith and hope in him and confessed your need for him, then come and eat and drink of this table. Let it nourish you and strengthen you, that we may walk as his people. If you're not a follower of Christ, let this table be a, a picture, uh, an invitation. This is who God is, and he invites all of us into his family through the work and life of Christ. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for this bread and cup, and I pray, Lord, that you set them apart and that you would meet us by your spirit to minister to us today. Lord, we know what it is to be burdened. We know what it is to be battered or to be bruised, to feel bound. And so, Lord, we pray that your spirit would minister to us, that we would know the liberty of Christ, that we may walk in it and even share it with others. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. On the night that he was betrayed, after giving thanks, Jesus took the bread and broke it, saying, This is my body, given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, Jesus took the cup, saying, This covenant, this, this, <laughs> this is the blood of the new covenant. Whenever you drink it, do so in remembrance of me. For as often we eat this bread and we drink this cup, we proclaim the Lord's death until he comes again. I invite you to come down the center aisle and receive the bread and the cup, and you can go back on the sides. I asked if you're able that you would hold the elements until everyone's been served, that we can eat and drink as one family. If you're not participating in communion uh, today, we're, we're glad that you're here. I invite you to come forward. Just put your arm across your chest, and Pastor Brian and I can offer a prayer of blessing for you here at the table. Those who are serving can come forward at this time, and let us come and receive the gifts uh, that God gives for his people.
Christ's body was broken to make us whole. Let us eat in faith. Christ's blood was shed to cover all of our sins. Let us drink in faith. I invite you to stand with me that we can respond to this table with prayer and song as God's people. Lord Jesus Christ, help us to imitate your kindness to the outsider, your affection for the lost, and your desire to please only your Heavenly Father as we proclaim the mystery of faith. basis we have a time in our service called the prayers of the people where we can pray for one another uh, but also pray for uh, our city and, and, the, and the world around us and so Josh Kuntz is going to lead us in uh, prayer uh, so Josh can come on up you'll see it in your notes in your order he'll lead us and then it'll be a time of quiet to offer your own prayers and we'll conclude with a response uh, together so come on up Josh let's pray Heavenly Father, we gather before you today as a community, lifting our hearts and our voices in prayer. Lord, we pray for LSPC and our church community. We pray for a welcoming church body. Grant us the wisdom and grace to encourage one another. May our words, prayers, and actions radiate your love, offering support and uplifting each other as followers of Jesus. Guide us to open our hearts and our church to newcomers welcoming them with warmth and fellowship in the body, into the body of Christ and the LSPC community. Lord, we pray for Cassie Fox and Robert Strouder and their family after the loss of Robert's father yesterday. Be with Robert as he navigates this difficult time and strengthen him as he supports his mother. Lord, please be with Cassie and help her to find comfort in you as she cares for Robert. Lord, we pray for all those in our congregation who are mourning the recent loss of their parents. In particular, please comfort Jerry McNally, Brian Geyer, and Dan Moore as they've experienced the passing away of their fathers, and Susan Joyce, who is mourning the loss of her mother. Please grant them strength in their sorrow, hope in the midst of their pain, and the assurance of your everlasting love. We also remember with concern those who are caring for parents facing illness or recovering from surgery. Please be the source of their source of strength and courage and guide their doctors and medical teams and grant healing and restoration according to your will. Lord, we pray for those in our congregation who are seeking employment and career advancement. We entrust their hopes and aspirations to you. Please open doors of opportunity and grant them wisdom in their job searches and equip them with the skills and confidence they need. Bless those seeking to move from part-time to full-time positions. Please guide them 
toward fulfilling opportunities and provide the resources they need to make the transition. Lord, in your mercy. Lord, we pray for our city. We pray for the Friendship Center as they do work in our neighborhood. Thank you for their tireless work providing food to neighbors facing hunger each month. Please continue to bless their efforts to fill stomachs and provide a sense of dignity and belonging. Guide them and strengthen them as they extend their reach even beyond food tackling the root causes of hunger and empowering our neighbors. Grant them wisdom as they connect people with essential resources in job training, counseling, legal advice, and healthcare. Lord, we pray for those seeking shelter in Chicago. We remember the families, individuals, and children living in limbo at migrant shelters, at police stations, at camps, and elsewhere throughout the city. They are yearning for a safe haven and a chance to build a new beginning. We pray for compassion from our leaders, guide their response to this crisis in a way that honors human dignity and bridges the divides that threaten to separate us. Ensure that time, money, and other resources are well spent and effective as we welcome newcomers to our city. We pray for those in Chicago who have recently experienced violence and loss. We hold in your care the families shattered by the tragedy at Innovations High School in the Loop we pray for the students. Please grant them strength and hope in the midst of this dark time. Please be with all those in Chicago who are living with violence. Please guide us in partnership with our fellow sisters and brothers in Christ in Chicago to bridge the divides that fracture us and replace those divisions with empathy and understanding. Lord, in your mercy. Lord, we pray for our world. We pray for areas of our world that are torn apart by war. Lord, we pray for the people in Gaza, Israel, Ukraine, and Sudan, and in all other areas devastated by conflict and violence. We mourn the horrors of war. We pray for the children and the families in these places whose lives are forever changed by unspeakable, unspeakable violence. Lord. Please grant them solace in the depths of despair and a sanctuary from aggression and from fear. Please provide a path forward that ends conflict and directs these places toward peace. We pray for our world leaders. Grant wisdom to those who hold power in our world. Please guide them away from war and toward peaceful resolution. Open their hearts to the suffering and let their minds dwell on justice and peace. We pray that their decisions will echo your righteousness and that their actions pave the way toward unity and shared humanity.
Lord, in your mercy. Almighty God, we lift our hearts to you, the source of light that dispels all darkness. Your love holds us together. Your hope, our hope in you sustains us. Lord, hear our earnest prayers. Please grant us your grace and your blessings. Guide us in our journey as a community of faith at LSPC, representing your love in our actions and our words. In your name we pray, amen. Thank you, Josh. Uh, we're going to continue worshiping through a time of, of giving. And so I invite the greeters to come forward. Uh, they will have uh, a great basket you can put your communion cup in and also a silver uh, offering plate that if you'd like to give a gift, you can do that. Uh, just a reminder, you can give uh, through the offering, but also you can give online, as Will mentioned in the beginning, if you'd like to give to the church or even the Benevolence Fund. Those are options available. Uh, if you are uh, new to LSBC, we're welcome. We're glad that you're here. Um, if you're sitting in the center aisle, uh, the ch under your chair in the center aisle is a black information pad. You know, pick that up and fill it out and pass it down. It'd be great to, for you to know who you're worshiping with. And if you are uh, new to the church, uh, love to, for you to share your information. Uh, one couple of, remind couple of reminders that after the service, there's coffee and, and bagels behind me in the hallway, time of hospitality. Uh, but also a reminder that um, there's a group, everyone that's interested is welcome to go to Jimmy's Pizza Cafe for lunch. Uh, after, shortly after the service, if you're, uh, you can head over on your own, or if you're looking for, to go with folks, you can look for Gina or for Matt. They'll, they'll be gathering probably back by the, the welcome table. So everyone's welcome to go uh, to, the, to, to Jimmy's. The address is in uh, the list of announcements. So let's continue giving uh, our gifts and our offering to God. Please stand and join us for the doxology. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise Him, all creatures here below. Praise Him above the heavenly host. Praise Father, Son, and Holy. 
receive God's blessing. May the love of God the Father, the grace of our Savior, Jesus Christ, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you now and always. Amen. May go in peace.